Is a participatory economy a blueprint? And how much detail should we go into for a vision for a post-capitalist economy? Find out in this episode of Pep Talk. Could you please tell us um, what you see as the alternative? Self-management, democratic control of communities or workplaces, federal arrangements. Participatory democratic planning. Jobs down a mix of empowered your nested council linked to one Everyone gets to participate in a primary council. Welcome to Pet Talk, the podcast where we discuss the democratic alternative to capitalism known as a participatory economy. Welcome to Pep Talk, the podcast where we discuss the democratic alternative to capitalism known as a participatory economy. Um, I'm your host, Mitchell Strapanchik, coming to you from Chicago. Um, We are joined by a panel of commentators who will discuss um, a question, is a participatory economy a blueprint? Uh, We are joined by, from Helsinki, Finland, um, Antti Haiwainen, a longtime political economy advocate, uh, writer, and activist. Uh, Antti, welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. And we are also joined from Portland, Oregon in the United States, Robin Hanel, a professor at Portland State University, a co-inventor of the model of a participatory economy, um, who is joining us as well. Robin, welcome to the show. Good to be with you. Um, So um, we will ask the question, and I'd like each of you, and I'll also chime in, to take a few minutes to answer the question, um, is a participatory economy a blueprint? Uh, Antti, let's start with you. Is a participatory economy a blueprint? Well, it's not a blueprint. Uh, Not in the sort of uh, uh, derogatory sense that it's often used. Uh, Actually, what sort of uh, fascinated me about participatory economy, although way back when I was 17 or 18 uh, years old, or 80 years ago, uh, was uh, was exactly the kind of thing that I think is important and what people sometimes dismiss as blueprinting, um, which is that it actually has sort of values and concrete solutions and institutions for the economy um, instead of rosy rhetoric. Uh, because when I was sort of a younger uh, activist myself and uh, researching economic issues, I often found out that what troubled me was that uh, there wasn't concrete answers to very crucial questions about spending or infrastructure or, crucially, who gets to say no in an economy. So if uh, obviously I think more and more people uh, feel that capitalism isn't an economic system we hope to have in a uh, in the in the long term future, and one we hope to sort of advance beyond from. Um, but when it comes to actual solutions, um, one of the most important questions we need an- to answer is who gets to say no in an economy. And capitalism is very good at this. Capitalism is explicit in saying who gets to say no. Um, that is capitalists, um, and uh, our economy. A democratic economy needs to have viable answers to that question. And this is where I think what's often called blueprintism comes from. I think participatory economy is quite unique in not sidestepping this issue. Participatory economy is, is good in how it handles answering these kind of questions that ultimately will have to be answered if we hope to build a working democratic economy. Um, so, uh, 
I think answer depends. Like we actually need blueprints. We need visions for future economy that provide both values and institutions and how to solve key questions of the economy. What we don't need is um, vague economies which say that our economy will protect nature. I mean, that's a good thing to say and that's a good value, but without institutions like pollution revealing mechanisms or how to integrate uh, uh, destruction of nature into prices and uh, day-to-day economic activity, uh, they will remain sort of dangerous. They will sort of remain the kind of things that will not help us build a concrete viable economy in the future. Uh, and will also affect the discussion on reforms we have today, uh, meaning that we might end up just saying these are the kind of things we want. This is our wish list for Santa. Uh, we have no idea how to come up with it. We just have these wishes. Let you know someone else, maybe someone who has power, to answer them. And I think that's not a good start for discussing the kind of economy we want. So I think we need blueprints to an extent. And I think participatory economy strikes a very good uh, balance in that sense. Robin, same question to you. Is a participatory economy a blueprint? I think that there's the, the reaction. I, I think the, the, the issue arises because People have a very sensible reaction. They say, well, well, who are you? You're a small group of people who claim to have thought about some things. And you're going to dictate to you know, the citizens of some future society how they have to go about doing things. Well, of course, that's absurd. That's ridiculous. Um, none of us would ever you know, pretend that that is what we are trying to do. Um, I think my simple answer to that is, of course, nobody would ever let us do that. (laughs) Um, On the other hand, if we take a look at the history of people who have tried to implement and build alternatives to capitalism, it becomes apparent that it isn't always clear exactly you know, how things should be done. And we have plenty of evidence that sometimes when people built alternatives to capitalism, they built alternatives that weren't good alternatives. Um, so really what I, what I see this is as an attempt to, as Auntie said, provide concrete answers to how could, Let's consider all these decisions. We can make a list of all the decisions that have to be made. And and it's important to think about, well, how do you propose those decisions actually be made? Um, And sometimes the reason to propose, you know, actual procedures, concrete blueprint procedures for making certain decisions is precisely to examine their their pros and cons, to to examine where would the dangers lie? What would one have to be concerned about if you went about making this decision in this particular way? So it's in that spirit that we have tried to say, let's get something out there for discussion purposes. And 
I think the other thing that we have asked others to do is, well, if this isn't what, you know, if you have a problem with this, if you think that this might be problematic in some particular way, well, then what would you propose instead? Um, and, and often what has happened with, with leftists is that the answers to those, those things have been, has been very vague. And in this day and age, another thing has happened, which is, I mean, ever since the, the collapse of the, the fall of the wall, the collapse of the Soviet Union and the Eastern, Eastern European alternatives, um, if, you go, if, if you go to the literature about, well, what do anti-capitalists want in the 21st century? If you go to that literature, you'll actually see there are very, very different answers that people are giving. Um, and so that's another reason that we think it's very important to provide concrete answers precisely so that one set of solutions to how certain things should be decided in a desirable alternative to capitalism can be contrasted with and sort of stood up against other proposals that are out there. So that's the spirit in which we've offered, you know, the proposals we've offered. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, Auntie? Yeah, and another thing is that I think uh, what has been missing from this discussion, like Robin pointed out, is this, you know, concrete democratic alternative so that it would go sort of somewhere so that uh, we would have... Uh, discussion between different alternatives, which would be, you know, concrete enough to have the kind of discussion that Robin mentioned. Uh, and I think that participatory economy is a really sort of important stepping stone in that, in a sense that I think hopefully it will be just sort of a ridiculed first version of how a democratic economy would work and everyone would just, you know, in 50 years or 100 years time, just laugh how simple and stupid and naive it was. But I hope it would start this discussion that, you know, these are, we need to talk about how, for example, consumption and production work in a democratic economy. And that's some something that participatory economy has concrete answer to, instead of just saying that people come together and decide. And that's been an answer for many for like, hundred years or so. And that just isn't an answer that will take us anywhere. Instead, we need some sort of, you know, how, how should we divide which sectors of the economy? How can, how can people, you know, uh, decide on what sort of, what will happen in each sector of the economy? How will different industries work? How will prices work? Um, and yeah, I, th I think ultimately the participatory economy will provide the kind of rough outline on what kind of questions we need answered. And I hope to see more of that. Mitchell, let me, let, let yeah, me yeah, add one thing. Let me add one thing. I, th I think there's an important insight that anarchists bring to this discussion, which is an understanding that if there's a power vacuum, somebody will fill it. Mm -hmm. And what inevitably happens is when societies are in turmoil and disruption and we have major institutional social change, well, then there's sort of a rapid period in which sort of decisions are made about how to, how to go about doing things differently. And 
if there hasn't been a lot of very careful pre-thinking about how to go about that, then in particular, what has happened for socialist economies is the bureaucracies fill the vacuum. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to make the decisions and we have to start making them now and we're not making them the way they used to be made under capitalism. Um, and if it's not some, if it's not decisions that we're simply living to leaving to market processes, because we've discovered that the consequences of doing that, you know, have created the problems that we were all upset about. Well, then there have to be different procedures. So I think the other thing is that what anarchists have come to realize is that power will fill a vacuum, and if you want that vacuum to be filled by democratic participatory decision-making procedures, then there have to be sort of, there have to be clear ideas about how to go about doing that before some small group manages to fill a vacuum and put us back in a, and put us back in a situation where, oh, people aren't in, are not in control of their economic destinies. There is some sort of bureaucracy or what happened in the Soviet Union you know, a, a dictatorial communist party plus a central planning procedure took over economic decision-making. And we don't want that to happen again. And nobody out there anymore wants that to happen again. But just not wanting it to happen again isn't the same as having a solution for what will prevent that from happening again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if we don't have discussion on, on this, then there's, you know, unfortunately there might be even more worse alternatives right. than communism uh, or central planned economies to capitalism. Yeah. So that, you know, uh, the kind of mess we're in with climate change and uh, run amok uh, inequality is that, you know, there's a lot of really terrible things that could, uh, you know, go wrong in our society. Um, and that's why I think... Uh, now it's a very important time to have the kind of discussion. Uh, there's um American feminist, I, think, I don't remember her name, Joe something or something. Uh, there's an essay called, uh, now that we are talking about anarchists, I think she was an anarchist as well, or is um, uh, the tyranny of structurelessness. Um, yes. Yeah. And I think it's written, if I remember correctly, written from a feminist point of view. Uh, talking about how uh, family and gender relations uh, are something that can't be left, you know, just, you know, waggling in the air, but we have to actually have the concrete discussion about them. And I think this is just as important in an, in the economy um, that we have, you know, the kind of discussion, what kind of structures we want uh, for the economy and for our democratic economy. Um, and that's, that's sort of my answer to why we need... Uh, discussion on institutions and values that also is, is open-ended in the kind of way that we can build upon them, find different solutions that still adhere uh, to the values we have instead of just leaving it in the air and not answered just in the hopes of, you know, gaining more people. Because a lot of people can agree on say, you know, we don't want capitalism. I think a lot of people can agree on that, witnessing the problems we have today. But that really isn't solution to almost anything yet. So that's sort of where the discussion on democratic, democratic alternatives to capitalism comes. 
Um, I'll chime in on the question on is a participatory economy a blueprint? Um, I think the answer to that is yes, but in, um, in a way that I think is um, both helpful and not. And I'll explain what I mean by that. It is helpful in that like a blueprint, a blueprint is basically a design for a house. Um, and um, you would, with a blueprint in hand, you know what a house that you're going to build is going to look like, it's going to work, um, and what it's going to, and what uh, all the particular details of that house. But a blueprint does not tell you how to build that house. That is left to someone else to work out the details. And, I, and that's the second sense in which I think a participatory economy is like a blueprint in that there's been this model now for now 30 years since Robin and Michael Albert co-wrote the books that were published, um, The Participatory Economy of Political Economics and Looking Forward that outlined in detail the proposed model of what we now call a participatory economy. Um, but the main issue is that there has not been much in the way of commentary or frankly, as much thinking on how they build that. And that is, I think, where the discussion, I think, should go. That we've got this economy, we've got some experimentation, Robin and I, along with others, have done some work to see that it could do what it's advertised to do. But how do we get there? How do we build that? How does it become, how do we, how do we go from the mass market slave hell that we have now into something better that we think would work and fulfill the um, needs of an economy and do so uh, in a fair and democratic way? And that we really haven't given as much time or thought to, and I think we need to. And, and hopefully this podcast can serve as an avenue for that. So that's what I would say on that. Yeah, let me, there, there's, there's, I want to say one thing about the, what it is we're you know, thinking about what is the economic system that we would like you know, to eventually replace capitalism with. Um, one tendency on the left is to say, well, we want the, just like we want the political decisions to be made democratically, we want economic decisions to be made democratically. And so then the tendency is, well, that means you put things to votes. And that's right, as far as it goes. And it also means, well, and you don't just put things to votes, you have to have discussions where, you know, people make arguments for why it is that one thing would be better than another. And that's also um, correct as far as it goes. But one of the things that, you know, that, that, that we have to think much more carefully about is, well, what sort of information do people need in order to even make up their own minds about what it is they think is better or worse. And that's where something called, you know, opportunity costs and social costs of doing things comes in. And so there has to be an answer to the information problem. You want people, you want to structure debates so that they don't take up tremendous amounts of time you want to structure debates so that they don't just come down to, well, whoever was the most stubborn and stayed till two in the morning, you know, gets to decide. And you want to also consider what's the information that people need to know whether or not they think it would be a good idea to do this or that, or whether 
what kind of information do I need to know about whether or not if you have proposed that you want to do something in particular, well, is that reasonable? Is that something that you should have a right to do? Or is that going to be using resources inefficiently? And those resources belong to all of us and they could have been used to do something else. So I think that another thing that has been a weakness on the part of people who are very firm about the fact that we want economic democracy, we want democratic decision-making about the important economic decisions that affect all our lives. One of the weaknesses has been a failure to understand what sort of information people need to do that sensibly and how it needs to be arranged so that it doesn't take up inordinate amounts of time. And those are the kinds of things that, you know, in thinking through various proposals we made that are part of the model proposal blueprint, whatever you want to call it, called a participatory economy, those are the kinds of issues that we've taken seriously rather than just sort of ignored or not had much to say about. This has been Pep Talk. This is the podcast where we talk about the democratic alternative to capitalism known as a participatory economy. Um, I'm your host, Mitchell Stepanczyk from Chicago. Uh, we've been joined by Antti Jaihuainen uh, from Helsinki and Robin Hanel from Portland. Um, uh, you can learn more about the model of a participatory economy at the website participatoryeconomy.org. You can join in in the regular newsletter that is mailed out, as well as an online forum to discuss and bring up issues related to the topics here or suggest further topics to be brought up in this podcast. Uh, I'm Mitchell Stepanczyk from Chicago. Uh, thank you very much for joining. We'll see you again. Goodbye. Please visit participatoryeconomy.org to find out more and subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks, and see you at the next episode.